This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Experiencing uncomfortable emotions, distressing thoughts, painful sensations, or disturbing events is challenging. This can lead to fighting reality through denial, diversion, and other forms of avoidance that are often slippery and not fully in one's awareness. Perhaps it's that you left that self-help book to collect dust on your bookshelf, or that you are avoiding finding a good therapist. It can be subtle and completely internal, like that sense of confusion during tough moments, almost a does-not-compute feeling. ACT sees avoidance as a key component within most psychological suffering. Acceptance is ACT's alternative to avoidance. Dr. Josie. Valeria interviews Dr. Josie Valdorama, the author of Acceptance and Commitment Therapy Journal, Prompts and Techniques to Practice Acceptance While Building the Life You Want. Josie Valderrama is a licensed psychologist and author who is passionate about healing through mind-body integration, consciousness exploration, and celebration of ancestral identity. Her therapy practice focuses on the intersection of BIPOC, queer, and alternative sexualities, including consensual non-monogamy. Her book, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy Journal, was released in May of 2022. Meet Dr. Josie at drjosievaldorama.com. Here's the interview with Dr. Josie Valdorama. In your own words, who is Josie Valderrama? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, so I would say that I've always uh, considered myself a sort of natural born tripper. Uh, I've been a seeker my whole life. I used to think that everybody was always asking that big why question, the whole point of our existence, and pretty quickly realized that most people weren't. And it was frustrating at times. And sometimes I would forget the question myself. Um, but through much suffering in my life, I realized that I really still needed to answer that question for myself. And thankfully, I did find answers spiritually. And, um, and that actually led me to the healing arts profession, the art and science of healing, I suppose, as a psychologist. And, and I also am really informed by my identity as a multiracial person, um, uh, Filipino, Scandinavian, really raised in the Pinoy culture, um, born and raised in inner city LA. And I've called San Francisco my home for over half my life now. And so I'm a Gen Xer, um, 
uh, I identify with like alt lifestyle communities, and I also work within those communities, sort of uh, intersectional folks such as myself, um, um, you know, uh, queer, BIPOC, um, um and spiritually grounded without dogma. <laughs> mm, yes, that's the key word. <laughs> without dogma. I love that. How do you define spirituality these days, Josie? Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, I, you know, as you we were speaking earlier, I, I agree. I think everything is spiritual, sacred, and there's something about um, spiritualizing everything on this material realm and reclaiming the sacredness um, from things that we were taught um, to be profane when actually um, nothing is really. Right. Um, yeah, isn't it um, an interesting observation that some of us are not able to see that? And I think I, I allured to that off record. I wonder why some of us don't ask the why question or don't see deeper into the uh, the core of life. Do you do you wonder, too? Well, it's interesting because I, I believe so much in the paradox of life. And I say that while on the one hand, I was sharing with you that I always sought um, deeper questions uh, to pull back the veil of reality. On the other hand, I would say that I was also deeply unspiritual um, for a big part of my life in the sense that I was very stuck in egoic uh, consciousness. So like, for instance, my attempt to find out the truth of the universe was really sort of an egoic fixation for a long time. So I was frustrated in that because it's like, I wanted to be the one that had answers, not others. <laughs> so I think the ego can get in the way a, a lot of times um, in that search. Mm, for sure. Yeah, that's another interesting conversation to have. I'll try to be brief about the ego idea. I just came across somebody. No, I didn't interview him yet. It's somebody that I'm working on is a healer outside of this for now. Uh, he talked to me about the ego in a way that I never heard before. He said the ego is a baby. So we need to nurture that baby, not try to kill it or try to hide it. That resonated through. Yes. How does it sound to you? Yes, I, I resonate in the same way. I, I, I believe we need to transcend polarized mentality. So we're not trying to get rid of any part. And there's parts work is a big thing in psychology now, right? I'm reminded of the, of the divine fool in the tarot, right? So um, it's like we're trying to take that leap of faith and, and transcend that egoic consciousness. And the ego is like that sweet little dog that's pulling on your pant leg, right? It's like, it's, you know, that's death. That's that's a doom. Right. And so so we're supposed to love that little dog or that baby, but it's not supposed to operate the, mm. the vehicle. Right. <laughs> mm, right. <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you for saying that. <laughs> Since we are within the topic of spirituality, I read, I think that was on your website, under approach, you write, I believe shamanism is one representation of a vital piece of innate spirituality, which integrates the shadow and other aspects of oneness. You said more than that, of course. So talk to me about shamanism. How did you become interested in shamanism? I um I actually uh, connected with the shamanic um sort of explicitly through uh 
finding a, a new age teacher, uh, a woman of color who is um, sharing uh, how to channel, uh, you know, higher level information right from the universe. And she was also teaching a shamanic course. Um, but actually it dovetailed into uh, my own sort of reclamation of uh, the F Filipino aspect of my identity, which I was really raised in. And um, my Filipino elders, um, bless them all, uh, um, they they all recently passed of old age in, in these last few years. So I felt this real disconnect from um, a big part of my identity that I was raised in. And then to discover that um, the shamanic was in pre-colonial Philippines was a huge part of the culture. The Baibalan were women. They were um, feminine beings, so they could be cis or trans or non-binary feminine um, persons who were the, the leaders of, uh, of the spirituality in the villages. And for me to discover this deep connection, this uh, shamanic connection in my own ancestry um, was it felt like a part of my reclamation of of, of my identity so I I originally was trained in the western style trance work um hypnotherapy and I'm really indebted to my mentor Dr. Stephen Gilligan who trained with Milton Erickson um, but when things like Me Too and Black Lives Matter and all these things started to come out, I started to feel this dissonance and I realized I needed to find communities that were not so, um, you know, white and patriarchal centered. Nothing wrong with with um, those communities per se. Um, you know, again, I don't believe in polarizing, right? But I really felt this call. And what was interesting to me was to realize that what Western trans work did was it excised out um, this really powerful methodology, but it, it disregarded energy. And because of that, it actually was more dangerous. It wasn't grounded and boundaried. And in this, even though it was supposedly, quote, more legitimate, I, I'm actually reminded there's a mural in the Tenderloin of San Francisco. And it's it's of this scientist and he's, he's looking at something under a microscope. And then you see it's a heart and you mm. see the heart is actually from his own chest and that his chest mm. is cut open. Mm, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's yeah. where we're at sometimes still with this sort of rational scientific, it goes too far into its own dogma. Um, so it was really important for me to reclaim the shamanic as a, a, as a reintegration of what I had originally learned in trance work. I mentioned earlier, and I think I mentioned um, off record now, on record as well earlier, about callings. We feel called to these experiences, per se, spiritual, transcendent, or mystical experiences. Would you say it is a call, or this is some people just engage, let's say, in, with shamanism out of curiosity? Sure. I, I think, you know, obviously our language is, is limited, right? <laughs> yeah, very much. <laughs> we, we, we all have, uh, are responding to um, uh, our callings uh, in different ways and that we're all going to experience that in some aspect of our consciousness, whether in this life or some other dimension, right? Um, so, but yeah, it's interesting because I met with a, a, a girlfriend and, and, you know, it's like, I, you know, I think a lot of us have friends who we can sense are at different um, st stages of their own consciousness evolution. And she's someone who outwardly is like, oh, you're into all this weird woo stuff, right? But then I had her pull from like, you know, like one of my Oracle decks and what she pulled was initiation. And I was like, yeah, yeah, she's on the cusp. So 
oftentimes, right, I think we don't even consciously know that we're being called. And we think, oh, you know, when I first enrolled uh, in psychology grad school, I was like, oh, you know, my ego wants a title. I'm serious. This is what I, and I said to myself, I think I'm perceptive, but too bad I actually don't have any empathy. It's strange. What I didn't realize is I was dissociated, obviously, from from the trauma of this world and, and my heart unfroze in the process. So so I believe we're guided by like our higher, higher self and higher power. And we won't even necessarily know why we make choices. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing with clarity this wisdom, timeless wisdom, in my view. Yes, a lot of times we don't even know. And that uh, comes to the topic of free will. Do we have free will or we don't? Do you have any doubts about that, that we don't have free will and we are just <laughs> life itself <laughs> navigating this reality? <laughs> Oh, it's such an interesting question. I love your questions. <laughs> um, I believe that uh, a spiritual truth or even a spiritual rule um, uh, within our universe is that we do have free will. I actually believe that's what is sort of the setup for um, our consciousness, consciousness training on this level is that we get to decide. We constantly have little forks in the road. We have even little private mental choices. Are we go, going to go into the love and the light? Or are we going to go into fear and scarcity, right? Um, and, and yeah, maybe on, if you want to like, you know, uh, sort of split hairs, maybe mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> don't have free will in the sense that maybe our higher self said, okay, we're going to put you in the parameters that you're in this kind of dysfunctional family or whatever. Yeah. Oh. Right. But yes. at the same time, part of us has chosen that, right? <laughs> it feels like we do, but it might be just a feeling. It does feel like we are choosing, making decisions. I really think it's just a feeling, but who knows? On your website, you say, beginner's mind, no dogma, use what works, leave the rest with compassion and integrity. I love that. So my question is, what is the difference between compassion, love, kindness, and all the other words we use around that idea of being, let's say, selfless and helpful in this reality? Yeah. You know, it's, they're really all facets of the same thing, right? I mean, but we could, <laughs> we could sort of deconstruct everything into unity consciousness, right? But, but obviously we have distinctions in the label for a reason. And I, I suppose for me, what makes compassion distinct from those, those other wonderful concepts, um, is it's, is it specifically around the softening? into empathy it's 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 the antidote to this sort of the split mind or that othering and actually the other side of the coin to othering is 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 this uplifting into specialness right so either either of those can sometimes be toxic when when we take them um so seriously as as our sense of worth or what have you right so self-compassion is a big thing in psychology now too and i think that's really important um even uh studies have shown that Self-compassion works better than affirmations or trying to boost your self-esteem uh, in terms of performance. And why would that be the case, right? Because we actually need to accept wherever we are before we can sort of move on to what we think of as the next level, right? I remember holding on to this idea, just thinking that compassion was giving yourself to others or feeling their pain 
But then I quickly, not so quickly actually, took me years to realize that I was uh, just absorbing energies and kind of claiming that those energies to be mine. And then I was suffering even more than the people around me. And then I thought that was compassion. It progressed. And then now it's, uh, let's see, has evolved into seeing suffering or pain as a catalyst for growth. So it's almost like life showing us the way through suffering. Do you actually believe that we need suffering in order to grow and evolve? Or it can be done in a different way? Yeah, I think it really depends on each person. Um, And it's, again, that sort of paradox, right? (laughs) I mean, you look at, um, I mean, just even like the the physics of of life, right? Like if if your muscle needs um, resistance in order, um, you know, even like your bone density, if, for instance, I've heard if you just do cardio, right, you're not um, impacting your bone density, you need some weight resistance training. So maybe that's, uh, is that struggle though? Or is it just a challenge, right? You know, I, I think I struggled a lot in life and I certainly learned from it, but at some point, uh, I realized that I was holding on to a belief of the school of hard knocks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yes. I, I, I yeah. sort of said to myself, maybe there's an easier way and I'm actually going to believe that there is. And so please universe, give me that instead. I, I think I've had enough of that other way. And then, and then life definitely did become more easeful. So you wrote the book acceptance and commitment therapy journal prompts and techniques to practice acceptance while building the life you want. That's the book. And you also have an online class. Is that called the Compassionate Disengagement and Boundary Work? Yes, yes. Oh, when I saw that, I was like, oh gosh, yeah, that's exactly what I need to hear. (laughs) The boundary work. It has not been easy. It has been easier per se, but not easy. And it might be because the boundary work, I'm not so good at it. I'm not so good at saying no, at communicating in a sense of telling the truth in a way that comes across, um, ah, I'm just not good at it. <laughs> I, I have, I have oh. tried all kinds of techniques. So talk to me about, <laughs> about your work around the class and your book as well, of course. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you're better at it than think. <laughs> uh, yeah, try. <laughs> you know, um, a, a hypnotic technique will will say, um, you know, let's let's not hypnotize ourselves by saying we're not good at something. We can use more open-ended language, right? Maybe in the past I wasn't so great at that, but right now I'm working on really improving that. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Thank and, you. Yeah. <laughs> it's and already then, working somewhere. Yes, right. We can feel mm. we can feel the opening of the energy in that way. And I am reminded of what you said earlier about um, your changing definition of compassion. And what I was thinking when you were saying that was, yeah, like boundary setting, right, is so much um, a part of it when we think compassion is codependently uh, martyring ourselves along with whoever we're engaging with, right? When in fact, uh, you know, then we're both just miserable, right? And 
And, and a lot of us, we teach that to ourselves and to one another so that sometimes when we're finding ourselves actualizing and we're in a good space, someone else might um, act like we're oppressing them. I think Marianne Williamson has a good quote around that, right? Like how, you know, you can shine as bright as you can. Don't let, you know, others tell you that you can't, that you're stepping on their toes or whatever, right? So, so as we can, we can find that you know, actually, it's more compassionate to be real and set boundaries and say no, rather than always say yes, when it's not, it's enabling someone else doing their for them. And so is is causing harm to ourselves. Right? Yeah, I feel I I feel um, the reason why I'm doing that workshop is I feel like we don't have good language beyond the polarized mentality. Like we have like unfriending, and then hating on or ghosting, which is just Right. I love actually it's sort of made fun of. Right. But um, that conscious uncoupling term that came out, um, I, I feel like, you know, something like that we need for even friendships and to know it's not personal. We're all in this web together. And there's going to be either alignment in terms of interests and where we're at in our stages of consciousness evolution, or it's going to be too far away and we don't feel that resonance. And that doesn't mean one person's better and one person's worse. Right. And so we can acknowledge that, that we're all fractals of this unity consciousness and feel that connection. But that doesn't mean that we have to be yoked to one another to try to prove each other's worth egoically or things like that. It's very insightful to listen to you and so many of my guests around boundaries. I guess, I don't know, Josie, it might be because... I have this deep understanding, or, or even it might be even deeper than that. It's the realization that there's no separation between me and the other. So whatever he or she feels around me, it's just, uh, it's almost like it's me feeling it. <laughs> so I have a hard time trying to separate and trying to create that wall oh, healthy boundaries, as you speak of in so many, because I just, I'm just so open to life mm-hmm. that it's a, I have a hard time closing down. But I know it's at some point I have to do it, or in some situations I must do it, but I still don't know how. You know, I, something I like to talk to my clients about is it's, it's not so all or nothing, right? And then find the metaphor that works for you, right? So it's um, it's a psychic skin is one way I like to think about it. And if we didn't have our skin, we'd be so open to infection, right? So our, our psychic skin is not about closing ourselves off with like a brick wall to other people, but it's it's about having this layer that defines us, even as we feel ourselves in unity consciousness with others. Or sometimes um, some people like that the metaphor of a, the lipid layer of a cell membrane. It's fluid, right? But there's little transporter gates that only allow certain things in that have the right key. So you're allowed to have a filtration system. Mm. Is there a thing about seeing the whole, being able to realize the wholeness of life, but still playing with the parts, mm-hmm. still uh, knowing what's hot, what's cold, <laughs> and all those things. And yes, it's almost like the quote on your website caught my attention immediately. Beginner's mind. It's almost like a child. Nah really knowing much, knowing but not knowing. It's the paradox again. 
It's a fascinating kind of uh, adventure. I know you mentioned, I love the way you phrased that too. You said, as a human being, my core values resolve around adventures of consciousness. <laughs> that made me smile immediately. I'm like, oh my God, that's me too. <laughs> uh, or something in me, who knows. Fulfillment of the soul's calling and compassion above all else. You know, the one thing uh, I would say about, uh, I think we're, we're collectively transcending primary identification with ego consciousness. And so then that disappearing eye that you can't find is, is really perhaps a, a part of that transcendence, right? And even when the last few years since 2019, almost every client complains to me about having imposter syndrome. And I started to see because it was so collective and it seemed to just start to happen that, um, it's not, there's two sides to every coin and that maybe it's not just something to pathologize, but we're beginning to see mm -hmm. the puppetry because we're more than just those puppets, right? And and so it can be a beautiful thing too. And I would also like to say, I, I believe, and a lot of people have talked about a sort of a three-part model, I think, to development. Um, and so it's sort of like, um, I, I, I'm probably misusing it to philosophers, but I think of Hegel's um, thesis and antithesis synthesis. So you have this one way and then you rebel against it. And if you just keep in that push-pull, you're in the polarity. But transcending to the top of the pyramid, we synthesize. So it is like we are like that childlike innocence and taking in an openness. But we've also gained the wisdom from, you know, that middle path, the murky middle, like Dante's Inferno, right? And so then we can transcend. We can take the best and leave the rest, right? And find this mm -hmm. third way, right? Yeah, talk to me about your journal, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy Journal. What was the main purpose of writing this book, Josie? And also the future, the new books that you might be engaging in in this moment. Yeah, um, you know, uh, several of my clients had asked me um, if I would work on, you know, some uh, workbook or self-help book that would be helpful to them. And and then I was actually appro approached by the publisher. And so I had this opportunity to do so. And um, it just seemed like a, a good fit to uh, share about mindfulness um, and values, which is basically what acceptance and commitment therapy uh, encompasses um, as, as a, a pathway to uh, to deepen in that personal growth journey. And so it depends really on where someone is at in their spiritual journey. You know, if some, you know, someone listening who's done a bunch of things, right, like Vipassana retreats and, you know, like NLP or Hoffman or all the different things you can do, um, you know, maybe, maybe they actually, you know, already know what ACT, which is what we call acceptance of therapy act has to offer but um you know for those who are just beginning to meditate to explore introspection um what's beneath the surface of things the big why of life right i think that um act is such a great intro to that and and so this is and i was definitely at this point in my life um, you know, where I just didn't understand why I, you know, disliked myself so much and why I couldn't seem to do anything right and all that kind of stuff. Right. So this is really a great guided journal for people who feel that kind of stuckness. Um, and and I'm, I'm working on actually um, another self-help book that's a little geared more towards like weirdos like me. <laughs> like, right? How all wise people books. like you. <laughs> Thank okay. you. Thank you. Right. So more to just sort of like how how can you find that inner peace, um, you you know, within this greater world? 
Um, and it's very interesting to me because a lot of the things that were fringe um, um, uh, in decades past for me that I've identified with and felt community in have become more ma- mainstream. And then what happens is there's more orthodoxy. People, when things get mainstream, people think there's one way. So I see there's a lot of opportunity for us to continue to talk about how to be flexible and how we do things, for instance, like, you know, polyamory, like you don't have to be a, a relationship anarchist, right? If, if that's work for you, right? Like there is not one right way. And so I think that's important. And I'm also, by the way, working on a, a memoir as well. And, and so I think there's just different pieces and different ways to share. And, and I believe all of us, all of us can share. I remember someone once said to me in a state of anxiety, but if everybody blogged and podcast and wrote, then who's going to like, who's going to be the audience? And <laughs> yes. I was thinking, this person wants to do some of that, but they they feel stymied. So they have to project that out, right? Honestly, there'll always be people who are willing to listen, even if they're your fellow podcasters, authors, true. right? So true. <laughs> Bloggers. Yes. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. Most of my guests, they are authors and people interested in spirituality and well-being. Yes. Yeah. Of course. We just come together actually as a community. I open that door. So thank you so much, Josie, for being open to life and committing to this work. It's really beautiful to see that. Thank you again. I have deep appreciation for this, for what you do. And of course, most all my guests, that's their intention too. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Valeria, for having me on my very first podcast. So this has been really exciting. And <laughs> I know, how, how, how fun. <laughs> oh, the idea of acceptance. I remember that was, as you said, this uh, when I felt stuck in life, that's exactly what came to me. That word and this kind of the embodiment of acceptance. And then progressed and evolved into something else. <laughs> now today, in this moment, I would say that it evolved into trust. Mm-hmm. So I trust life. And whatever's happening now, it's um, it's just life doing what it does. And it brought me to this moment. So it must know where this is going, <laughs> the direction. So I trust that. Mm-hmm. How does it sound to you, this oh, idea? Yes. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I feel aligned with what you said. And and for me, it's true. At this point, I actually resonate more with the idea of trust. Um, and, but I think um, acceptance is is that sort of foothold into uh, this idea of acceptance, self-compassion. But really self-trust um, to me is fundamental to healing. Um, and that's, you know, the parts work that is uh, uh, where we're encouraging people. You know, they used to say, don't talk to yourself. That's crazy. Now we're like, talk to yourself. I'll talk to all your parts, right? Find yeah. the part that you really have away and that you don't like and you think you want to get rid of and see if you can begin to love that part and trust, trust all of your parts, right? There's no monsters, right? It's just all needs to come into the love and the light, right? Um, so yeah, I, I resonate with that so much. It's great to hear from you. I guess I've been asking the question because I just, uh, I find myself in this place now and I often wonder, ah, am I accepting, am I open to too much? As I mentioned earlier, being too receptive and then causing myself to be exposed to pain because I'm so open and accepting of what is, what's happening now. But when I go back to that something in me that has asked me to trust that part of me or whatever it is, the essence, then it is just everything becomes a lot more 
it's almost like calm and there's a sense of inner peace and then a sense of fun too. It's almost like, ah, this is a fun situation to engage, you know, with. Let me just kind of see what I can do here in a playful way. So I see more of the child in me coming out and playing with life because yeah. of that. You know, I, uh, I I like the metaphor of water. Uh, um, okay. <laughs> I, I used to be afraid of water. I had to like a, I had to take a like a water phobia course and now I'm like certified scuba, right? So I, I did that whole journey with that. But when we think about when we're when we're tense and afraid in the water, we're sinking, we're moving hard to try to tread water and and it's hard to stay afloat. But when we begin to trust that we can fully support it, we can just lay on our back and just relax. And then like the fun that you mentioned, then we can actually play in the water. <laughs> right. And have fun with it. Uh, even though it's deep. <laughs> and what a beautiful metaphor. I never thought it that way, but it makes so much sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I love the water, though. When you said the word water, I looked in my window. There's a lake here, and I live... Now I just moved to clear water, which there's a lot of I mean, the most amazing beaches here and calm waters. So that's good because they, uh, I can play. <laughs> I don't know how to swim, so there's uh, I can just let go easily. Thank you for saying that, too. That's kind of, um, yeah, brought another smile to this face. <laughs> We're almost at the end, but I don't want to mention some concepts in your book that caught my attention. So what is cognitive diffusion? I read about it, but I would love to hear from you. Yes, um, so that's an acceptance and commitment therapy term, and it's really one way of thinking about uh, one aspect of mindfulness, um, like the metacognitive aspect of mindfulness, and meta meaning uh, above, right? So uh, above thinking, right? So it's uh, and so language is tricky. So we want to um, make sure that we're understanding because sometimes when when people think of diffusion, it they think it means they have to uh, push away off their thinking or try not to think, which of course we can't try not to think. That whole a white bear study show right now, right? Yeah. It's like, to think of a white bear. Yeah. When you talk about <laughs> yes, that's funny, but true. <laughs> yeah. so, so how do we diffuse from our thoughts when we can't mm-hmm. unthink them? Well, acceptance is part of that, right? It's like, oh, that just has to come along for the ride. And so as we learn to accept our thoughts, right, then we don't have to fight them. But it is also some sort of technique of seeing if we can catch ourselves in the act of being overly fused or stuck in our thoughts, right? You are not your thoughts, right? Just as you saw when you were meditating, um, you know, and so when we can see that we're like stuck in that, and this is why I think embodiment is so important. And another aspect of psychology now is so much somatic, right? Somatic experiencing, right? Because taking that breath, feeling into, especially from the neck down, all of a sudden we realize we're not just this head on a stick that's like (laughs) spinning, right? (laughs) Yes, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it caught my attention because it's so true. We do believe that we are our thoughts and we just kind of, we get lost in them. And that takes mindfulness, right? Meditation, it's my main go-to, of course, as a practice in mindfulness. But a lot of times I just kind of um, let the thoughts take me where they want me to go and to just see. And I trust that too. 
Like, what do you want me to see? What is it? It's almost telling my dog, <laughs> show me. <laughs> and then and sometimes I have some revelations or realizations from that. But that's a kind of, um, let's say, a kind of dangerous practice uh, is the tantric to practice that you just give yourself to whatever it is, emotion. But that's not one that would recommend here, I guess. No, 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 that is, that's resonant. So see, the difference is, is your felt sense around it, right? So again, back to somatics. So when, when you feel aligned mind and body, and you're taking that trip with your thoughts, you notice you feel in flow state. Now, if you are trapped in your thoughts, you're probably going to feel pretty tense in your body, maybe even dissociated. So the the body doesn't lie. Use your body as a compass to let you know. Beautiful suggestion, right. Use the body as a compass. Oh, I love that. I cannot believe how much wisdom <laughs> people like yourself, I mean, how beautiful is that? Just being so open to higher knowledge and, and to life to express these truths in such a beautiful and clear way. Thank you so much again, Josie. I have to keep saying that because it is beautiful. <laughs> Before we, we say goodbye for today, I do want to mention also in your book, there's a section that's called Connecting the Present. Yeah, connecting the present, getting in touch with the moment. Of course, like to be in the moment, we hear that so much as a practice. And from you, I want to hear from your perspective, what is to be in the moment? What does it feel like? Mm-hmm. You know, it's true that mindfulness has become so promoted, which is a wonderful thing, right? But there's also something that happens when we overuse a term in a way, I think, like mindfulness and presence, and, and then we begin to sort of gamify it, or it's all of these apps, and then you have to have the special cushion or do a certain amount of time, right? And that's sort of, it's almost like if the, there's a river of truth and then ice forms on top and then we mistake the ice on top for the river that's flowing underneath, which any cup you dip into, you know, the water's going to be different composition in that moment. So I think that's what gets tricky, right, with our language, with our ability to pinpoint, even the, the, that idea of pinpointing what is what is presence, right? And, and and, and so I think it's just important to name how slippery that is because I recently went to like a, a mindfulness conference and I had gone to the same conference like 10 plus years ago and it felt much less mindful, like the reality. Uh, yeah. Right? And, and <laughs> yes. I realized it's because everyone's looking at their phone the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> what a contradiction. Yeah. 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 So we're in an interesting time um, around that. But I do believe present moment uh, consciousness along with unity consciousness those two, the, the sort of the juxtaposition of those two, you really can't go wrong when you are, the more you can hang out in those two, you can manifest so much. You can feel into your flow and you can, you know, you can have a uh, wisdom and insight sort of drop down into your consciousness. I believe we're all channels, right? So, and, and what's nice about it is it makes it easier because we don't have to do it all on our own. In fact, we can't, our ego can't, right? But so when we open up, to more of that from the universe and, and being present moment aware is a big part of that. Then we can see and feel like what, what all those signals are. Hey, look at this, pay attention to this, right? Sort of like what you were talking about with that stream of consciousness, just following that river, right? There's something that tells me that there's no ending. This is eternal. And this is always has been always here and always will be. 
but I, we can't really name it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting, right? I think time serves its function and this level of reality, right? So we can, because we, you know, I think our brains linearly and i mean who knows sometimes because i'm a sci-fi uh you right sometimes i'm like maybe when we get like a quantum uh, Mm. computers and and then they put them like chips in our brain maybe of course some people say that's a nightmare right (laughs) it sounds like but you know right we're sort of of in this reality that's moving in a certain way that you know the train has left the station who knows right but perhaps perhaps there there's some ways that we'll be able to um yeah, just uh, move beyond uh, that sort of linear uh, stuck in stuck in this time sense that often has us in the past or the future, right? But you're right, it's like the struggle with. I think we often struggle with things too much just on a cognitive level. And as you were talking earlier, I was thinking we overvalue intelligence. And I'm saying that as someone who won like a Mensa scholarship. But I actually think we do we overvalue this idea of intelligence, which often is really just one hemisphere of our brain rather than this embodied multidimensional uh, wisdom, right? We can denigrate, you know, like denigrating, like um, typically like women's wisdom, women's intuition, things, things like that in our culture. Um, so, yeah, to, you know, transcending all of all of that <laughs> judgment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's not confuse categorization, right, with intelligence or wisdom. Yes, right, right. right. It's very different. Yes, yes. Oh, it has been wonderful, this conversation, Josie. Thank you so much again for your presence in our reality and everything that you bring, all these insights, your wisdom, your compassion, of course, I have to say that, your life itself, kind of reflecting back this uh, beautiful way of relating to objects and everything else here. So thank you so much for being you. Oh, thank you so much, Valeria. Same to you. Uh, Wonderful. And let's see, before we say goodbye for today, would you like to add anything else that we left unsaid? Um, I, not really. I I suppose can look at my website if they want. Uh, um, uh, It's drjosievalderama.com. Uh, at least that's my my uh, psychology website. Um, and uh, yeah, more to come. <laughs> what three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? Mm-hmm. Three experiences. Um, healing uh, would be wonderful. Um, reclamation, whatever that means to them, right? Um, yeah, and, and just joy. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, how can we live without joy? I guess some of us um, try. <laughs> Not possible. No, you can't. <laughs> it's who we are. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah. Thank you so much again, Josie. And we'll talk soon. Take good care of yourself. Bye for now, my dear. Namaste. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Josie Valderrama and her work, please visit drjosievalderrama.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. 
Thank you again for listening and bye for now.